0: Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. I'm so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. We are wrapping up uh, this series today called This is True, That is Real. And dare I say, it has been a powerful four weeks together. In fact, one of the things that I'm able to do during my week is interact with a lot of you, talk with a lot of you in the lobby downstairs, and kind of just unpack some of the things that we get to unpack from this stage. And I have loved the interaction about this series, that this has been one of the most powerful series that we've actually ever done it's been controversial as well we've had discussions about it some of us may even disagree about things that we say up here during this series this conversation and that's okay because at downtown Harbor Church we believe in kind of running toward that word that was on the screen that word that starts with the letter T the tension The tension that exists between things that we know are true, yet the realities of day-to-day life and what do we do with those realities when we face them? How do we engage those realities? Because a lot of churches run from those realities. What does that look like? Because we believe that the reason we need to embrace some of these things that are real is this. Because 87% of people in South Florida do not engage with any local church. If you've been around Downtown Harbor Church, you've heard this stat before. If it's your first time here or you're new here, you don't know about this stat, but it's true that we live in a very unique community, right, where 87% of people do not attend any local church here in our community. And we began to ask ourselves, why? If the message of Jesus is filled with hope and restoration and redemption, then why do people not engage with any local church in our community? Why is that? Furthermore, they said what I just said that because they don't engage with church because people in church don't necessarily deal with reality, right? We only kind of deal with what we know is true. But let's be honest. There are some things that we know that are true. But there's also another side of that, okay? And I'm gonna talk about those things today. There's also some things that we know that are real. There's also things that we know are real. And for the last four weeks, we've talked about some of those and it's just been a powerful time. And today we're gonna wrap it up with what I believe is probably the most powerful of all. And so here's just a couple of things that we've already said. Here's something that I know is true, is that yes, you can know God, right? that we can be made right with the creator of the universe with a relationship with Jesus, that we can understand who God the Father is, that we can actually know God. But there's also another side of that, something that's real, but yes, God is a mystery. Yes, we can know God, but the tension there is that God is a mystery, and that even though we can know God, there are things about God, this massive creator of the universe that our human minds were never meant to understand or comprehend. That there are mysterious things about this big, amazing God. Yes, you can know God, and yes, God is a mystery. We've said this, we've said that we believe you can know God in a moment. Let me take that to another level. We believe you can become a Christian in a moment. That it's one decision, it's one prayer, it's one pivot in your life when you say yes to believing that Jesus is who he said that he was and then pivoting your life to following after his teachings. Yes, you can know God in a moment. (laughs) But we've also said this, the reality is it will take you forever to figure out what that means. And that you will be going on a journey and that you'll be going on a journey with a lot of other people who are trying to figure out who this massive, amazing God is. Yes, you can know God in a moment, but yes, it will take you forever to figure out what that means. Here's something else we believe is true. We believe the Bible, the inspired word of God, the Bible is all true. We believe the Bible is all true and was put together inspired by God and those scriptures are God breathed and they are all true, but we also believe the tension here, the reality is that the Bible does not teach you everything you need to know about life. That's why God made doctors and scientists and creative people who were gonna think and explore this world in a different way so we could learn from them. The Bible is all true but the Bible does not teach you everything you need to know about life. We said that this is true and it's totally true. We said that trust leads to stronger faith. That when you trust in God with all your heart, when you trust Him with your entire family, your career, your relationships, that you will understand that trust leads to stronger faith, absolutely, even when things aren't going your way. But we also said the other side of that is this, the reality is, is that as much as trust leads to stronger faith, so does doubt. The doubt leads to stronger faith, that when we have questions, Or doubts that we bring them to the surface and talk about them and unpack them and do that together as a group of people when we can actually say, okay, it's okay. It's okay to doubt. We at DHC encourage you to bring your doubt here. Don't run from your doubt. You're welcome here with it. That's why we do what we do. There will always be a seat in this room for you regardless of what doubt you have. And then we said this. Maybe a really controversial one, right? We said, yes, your beliefs matter. That your beliefs are important. Specifically, if you believe in the scriptures, that those beliefs are important. But we also said the other side of that is, is that yes, your beliefs matter, but people matter more. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. And the reason is, is because I didn't say it. Jesus told a story that proved this point about a man who had two sons, and the younger son went and spent his portion of of his inheritance early, lost it all, and then decided to make his way home. And old Jewish law could have allowed him to kill and stone his son, but he chose to love him and hug him, put a ring on his finger, kissed him on the cheek and threw him a party. Where Jesus goes, yes, your beliefs matter, but yes, people matter more. And then last week... We said this, we said, we said about church, we said, yes, you should enjoy going to church. This process, these people, you should enjoy this process. This should be something you enjoy, that the local church is not just a building or an institution, that it's us together. You should enjoy this. But we also said that the reality of the situation is, is yes, you should enjoy going to church, but yes, you can enjoy living in the world. And I'm not talking about the evil world system because evil does exist and fights against God and good things like I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the people that God has made the cultures that God has created the beautiful things that God has made yes you can enjoy living in the world there are things in this world other than church even though you should enjoy going to church. And lastly we're going to talk about two today that I think are just really really important dare I say as I began the message with maybe the most powerful. So let's just dive in there's no bones about this today. It's going to be deep it's going to be meaningful and i think that we're just going to really feel something as we leave here together because we're going to say yes to this today yes god has an ideal if you look at the scriptures if you look at the bible god lays out a very perfect blueprint of how you should actually live life god gives you a way to live and it's an ideal life yes god has an ideal And if you look and follow those scriptures and the principles that he teaches in that text, that book, I will tell you something, gang, they work. Those principles work. God has an ideal. In fact, the way God teaches you to live, dare I say this, the way that God teaches you to live is the best way to live life, is the absolute best way to live life. But I will tell you this. We say this around here. Once you say yes to Jesus, and if you have not said yes to Jesus yet in your life, you should do that. Because he is the only thing to ever walk the face of the earth, the only person to claim to be the risen Messiah than to predict his own death and resurrection, proving that he actually is God. If you have not chosen to follow him yet, you should do that in your mind and heart. But I'll tell you this, when you say yes to following after Jesus, you will be better at life and you will have a better life, right? It's that ideal, right? Because there is a right and a wrong way to live. I don't know if you know this. There is a right and a wrong way to live in God's idealistic way lays that out for how we should live. And those of us who haven't lived up to the ideal, dare I say, every single person in this room, including myself, understand something. We understand that when you live the wrong way, there are consequences. That when you live the wrong way, there are consequences to your actions. When you hear something that you know that God has instructed you to do and God has told you to live this way and you choose to do the opposite and you go and you do something else, there are consequences to your actions. Every single one of us has experienced that before. So we say yes to this, that yes, God has an ideal. Yes, God has an ideal. So what? We get that. Most of us, even if we've never been to church before in our life, understand that The scripture, the Bible sets out principles that we should live by, but so what? What happens when we don't measure up to the ideal? What happens when we don't measure up and we do something wrong? What happens when we slip? What happens when we fall? What happens when we aren't here? What happens when that happens? See, because we believe that yes, God has an ideal, but the next one that I'm about to put up, the tension, It just might be the most powerful thing that you see in these entire two piles. Because yes, God has an ideal, but yes, God uses broken people. And God uses broken people who can't live up to the ideal to tell a story of restoration and redemption through their life. Yes, God has an ideal, but yes, God uses broken people, right? And you want to know what makes me sad about these two things that I just put up here, the truth. And the reality, what makes me so sad about this is that the local church, at least in my experience, has gotten this wrong. Because you want to know what I've seen the local church do to people who don't live up to the ideal? They say, see you later. Can't be a part of what we're doing anymore. And you definitely can't engage with what we're doing anymore because you can't live up to this particular ideal that has been set forward. In fact, I've seen this when people don't live up to the ideal. The church can take them out of the game. The church I've actually watched say to people before, you can no longer serve, you can no longer lead, you can no longer be a part because you've got something going on, get out of this room. Because they haven't lived up to the ideal. And I wanna tell you one thing, there has only been one person to ever walk planet Earth who has ever lived up to the ideal, and that is Jesus. The only ideal is Jesus. And a lot of times, you know what we tend to do as people, right, just living life, walking through life? We tend to look at other people and we go, man, they're the ideal family. We tend to look at that related to our family, man, they're the ideal family. We tend to look at families in the Bible and go, man, they're ideal families, okay? Look at families in the Bible and we go, man, they're just ideal families, right? If you look at families in the Bible, like when I look at families in the Bible, man, I feel a lot better about my family, okay? Like, and, and the stuff that they've gone through, and I'm just like, oh, wow. I mean, okay, let me tell you a quick story. So I don't know if you know this about me, if you have known me for any length of time, You maybe knowledge that you have, but if you're new or maybe you don't, let me just kind of set this out for you. Um, I'm just a little entrepreneur at heart, and so um, years ago, I started my own uh travel company and we specialize in Disney stuff and so anyway make the story short. Um, One time I got a call from a client and that client was my grandmother. And she said to me, she goes, Adam, uh, your grandfather and I would like to go to Walt Disney World for um, two nights Uh, in March. Could you please reserve us a room? I said, sure, grandma, no problem. I can do that. So sure enough, being the, you know, good grandson that I was, I saved grandma a room at the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, But I said to grandma on the phone, I said, now, grandma, I said, you're a Florida resident. You live in Florida. I said, this price could get discounted, but the Florida resident rates have not come out yet. So when they do, I'll notify you. Well, lo and behold, before I had the chance to notify her, Walt Disney World sent her a flyer in the mail, which she received because apparently in Bradenton, Florida, the only thing you have to do is get the mail during the day. Okay, so that's what grandma did. So grandma saw that the rooms had been now discounted, yet I had yet to contact her about the rooms, to which grandma called my mother and said, and I quote, Nancy, your son's trying to rip me off. <laughs> my mom calls me. She goes, hey, why are you trying to rip grandma off? And I said, Ma! I said, I run a church. and I'm I'm not gonna rip off my grandmother. And she goes, well, grandma claims you're trying to rip her off and she's canceling her booking with you and rebooking on her own. And I said, what in the world is wrong with my family, right? I said, what in the world is wrong with you people? Thinking I'm gonna rip off my 81 year old grandmother. Fine, not a problem. I said, she can take her business elsewhere, right? (laughs) This is great, right? But, But here's the deal. We all have stuff like that. It's different in your family than it is in my family. And you know what, Thanksgiving's coming up and I can't wait to talk about Thanksgiving because it's gonna be nuts at your house just like it's nuts at my house. And you can already see that aunt who has had way too much to drink and saying something that they should not say, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're laughing because you get it, right? But here's the deal, we tend to think that everybody needs to measure up to an ideal, right? And I'm not saying that God doesn't have an ideal. We say yes to that, he does. But when people feel like they can't measure up, do you know what happens specifically in the local church? When people feel like they can't measure up, they just give up. And that's one of the reasons people disengage with church because they go, I'll never be that. I can't be that. My past is broken. I can't be that. In fact, we talk about this quite a bit around here related to families because a lot of times people think within the context of the local church that families should look like this, right? We kind of call this the stock photo family. I don't know if you've seen them at Target, but they're around like, I mean, and I don't know like why, like everybody's wearing a white shirt, but that's a prereq evidently, like that was like one of the things like on their you know contract. And we tend to hold this photo up even at the local church and go, hey, this is what you should be like. And if you can't be like this, and if you're past, doesn't lead you to look like this, and if you're never going to look like this, then we don't know if you can engage with us. Let me be true about brokenness. There will come a time in each one of our lives when we are broken. There will come a time in each one of our lives when we experience brokenness. Maybe you've just experienced it. Maybe you're going to experience it soon. Maybe you're in it right now. I guarantee you, I make very few guarantees, but there will come a time in each one of our lives when you will experience brokenness, but the good news is God is there. And the local church, as you experience brokenness, should be there. The Psalms are beautiful books in the scripture, right? Beautiful chapters written to just give praise to God. And it says this in Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Brokenness. He rescues them. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 147.3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Allow me to tell you about broken people. Allow me to tell you about what God does when brokenness happens, right? Allow me, and, and don't miss this. This is so key, right? Look up here, look up here. This is so key, right? God doesn't throw away broken people. God does not throw away someone who deals with brokenness. What God does if he will, if you will allow it in your life, he will restore you and use your story of redemption. That's the truth. God doesn't toss out broken people and neither should the local church. God will restore you and then allow you to, in the right time, use your story of restoration and redemption to maybe someone else who needs it. Don't Understand, don't misunderstand that I believe that yes, God has an ideal. I believe that God has an ideal. But I also believe there's another side of that. And those of us, every single person in this room who's dealt with brokenness and come through it, knows that you can be used and that God's not going to toss you away, that God uses broken people. I believe that when we understand this, things are different. When the local church understands this, things are different. There's where the tension comes in. The ideal of the Bible and the scriptures and a big God versus brokenness. Wow. That's tension right where it's at. Here's the last one. And and, and this one, I just wanna tell you, is so simple, yet so complex. Yet so simple, yet so mind-blowing that it ever came to this point that there's actually tension between these two things. Here's something I believe. I believe that, yes, God is good. I don't don't know if you believe this or not, but I believe this. I believe that, yes, God is good. I believe that God is a good God. I believe that God proved that he was good and proved his character when he sent his son, Jesus, the risen Messiah, into this world to prove the character of God. Unfortunately, we run into something. Unfortunately, we run into an issue with the statement that, yes, God is good. Because culture has transformed and corrupted this statement. Dare I say in some ways the local church has transformed and corrupted this statement because they're the ones who've painted a picture of who God is to a world that needs God. But I don't know about you, but if you look in any form of media or in any form of social media, or you ask any random person on the street who isn't a committed follower of Jesus, they don't think God is good, gang. They're not interested in hearing that God is good. They think God has been affiliated with bigotry and hate and that he sits on a throne with an iron clad fist and rules over the earth. And they don't want anything to do with them. But I believe that this is true. I believe that God is good. I believe that God is a good God, but culture doesn't. But you know something I think that's great? It's not because of God, it's not because of him. You know who it's because of? It's because of us. It's not God's fault because Jesus said when he left that people are going to look to us to see him. People are going to look to us to see who God the Father is. People are going to look to us to see who Jesus is. Jesus now lives in us and we represent him to a broken world so if I believe yes, God is good, why do so many people think that God is a bad God? And I'll tell you why. Because we have misrepresented him. We have misrepresented him to a world that so desperately needs his light, that so desperately needs his love, that so desperately needs restoration, that so desperately needs redemption. And it's our job to show that to a broken world. And in the last couple thousand years, we've lost it. And we haven't done that right. And the local church hasn't done that right. But you wanna know what makes me sad about that? Is that in his most famous message of all time, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount that sermon that he gave filled with radical and revolutionary stuff Do You want to know what he said to his followers? Don't miss this. This is so key. He said, hey you you, 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 you You are the salt of the earth and salt was a necessary ingredient back then for preservation of food and meat It was needed. You are the salt of the earth. The world needs you. You are the light of the world. You should not put that light under a under a bowl so anybody can see it And then he said this In matthew 5 16 Most famous message of all time jesus the words of jesus in the same way Let your good deeds good Deeds Shine out for all to see So that everyone will praise your heavenly father Meaning gang don't miss this, this is so key If people are going to think and believe that God is good, then we should do good so they can actually believe that God is good. If they're looking to us to understand that God is a good God, then it's our responsibility so we say something like this, yes, God is good, okay? And we also say the tension here is this, right? Yes, God is good, and you should do good. You should do good, and and, and don't don't misunderstand this. Let me explain why there's tension here, right? You should not just do good to do good. You should do good so that people can see your good deeds and understand that God is good. If we are representing Jesus to a broken world, that is why we should do good, not just because it brings joy to us or we should do good because we're a do-gooder. We should do good so it brings glory to our Father in heaven. But you know what happened over the course of time in the local church? There became this conflict. This is why I didn't, I didn't understand this. There became this conflict between God and good. It was like, if you engage with church, the only thing that you should do to know God better is to come more, to read the scripture more, to attend more studies come on wednesday nights to come on sunday nights to be in a room more and more and more and 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 if you do good that's fine but that's really not honoring to god what's honoring to god is what you do inside these walls and when you engage with the people in the local church whoa 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 but jesus said you should do good how did that line up you should do good not just for good but to glorify your father in heaven so let me make a statement These two things, God and good? The local church is confused the heck out of them. They are not mutually exclusive. These two things are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. Dare I say, you need to do good so that people can see that God is good. We need to be out there in our city so that people can see that Jesus actually is alive in us just by doing good things. See, one of the things that we believe here at Downtown Harbor Church is this, is that missionaries are good things. If you don't know what a missionary is, generally a missionary is described as someone who goes to bring the good news about God to a foreign place. And we believe that that is a very good thing to do. In fact, it's very honorable to leave where you were brought up and to go sacrifice everything to move somewhere else. But we also believe this, we believe that people have forgotten how to be missionaries in their own cities. We believe that people have forgotten how to do things right where they're at. And so let me tell you something real quick. I'm gonna move this just out of the way so everybody in the room can see. Last Friday night, we had a chance to um, be a part of a volunteer event at a local elementary school called Harbordale Elementary, which was really cool. In fact, I'm gonna ask the guys to just kinda scroll through some pictures up there. Um, And we just wanted to give back to our community. We wanted to give back, hold on, stop right there, okay? There's me selling tickets, all right? So they put me at the ticket booth, okay? And I was like, counting out like things at 25 tickets. And I finally, you know, we're dying out there because you it was probably the night, the humidity has not gone down at all. I don't know why, it's almost November. Come on, cut us some slack up there, Lord. But what I'm saying is, finally asked for a LaCroix. They were nice enough to give me one. It was fantastic. But here I am counting out tickets. And then finally I got relieved, right? I got relieved and I went over and I was helping my wife with, you can keep going now. I was helping my wife with like a sledgehammer game and I was worried a kid was gonna take one off the face, but they didn't, thank goodness. But let me tell you something. We just did this to show up in our community. And you want to know what the director of the event said to us? Said, I just think that anyone who supports in the effort needs to know how appreciated you are and how all the funds that were raised on that night were just spent that we were a part of for teachers and kids, an accelerated reader program, scholastic reader program, mountain math, iPads, at least 30 of them in the last couple of years. to every teacher before school starts to jumpstart their classroom, a remodeled media center, replace the kindergarten through second grade playground, rugs in every classroom, cafeteria fund. No child will be denied a hot lunch due to inability to pay. Just because people decided to show up and to do something good. But it wasn't about us. We don't need anything. You know why we did it? To show people that God is good. And you want to know what else is so interesting about that? I guarantee you not one person that night had a conversation about Jesus or salvation. The only thing we did was show up. And that's the point. We should do good so that people can see that God is good. In fact, one of the most famous people in the history of Christianity, John Wesley, the founder of one of the denominations that is the biggest in the Christian world, Methodism, said this, and it's an amazing quote, and I think it's so important for us to understand this quote and how key this is, because this is what he said and it was so cool. He said this, he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can, John Wesley. In fact, let's do it again, right? Because it's so fun and it's so meaningful and impactful. You just got to hear this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can, John Wesley, Here's the There's this idea that God is bad and this tyrant and it's our fault. We have to do more good so that people can see that he is actually good and the most amazing thing that can ever happen to your life. And you know what? I interacted with so many different people at Harbordale Elementary and they asked me because they've seen me before. Probably I used to work at another local church in town and some people have seen me around. I've done some events and they, everybody asked me the same thing. Why are you here? Do you have a kid here? And I was like, no. And they're like, why are you here? And I was like, just to be a part of the community, to show up to help, to volunteer. They're blown away to do something good so people can see that God is good. So each week we put the word practical on the screen to go, okay, what does this mean for our life? What does this actually mean for us here today? How do we put this into practice, these tensions in our life today? The first one is this, and it's related to brokenness, right? It's related to ideals and brokenness. I want everybody in this room to look at this, and I want you to reframe your brokenness. I want you to think of your brokenness in a different way, because so often what happens is, is when we're broken, we run from the local church, We run away from the very place that actually might be able to embrace us and help us. Reframe your brokenness, specifically here at Downton Harbor Church. Bring your stuff, bring your junk, bring your brokenness. We want you here. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. We are a two-year-old church plant that each week and week out just grinds it out with people who deal with brokenness. Bring it. You always have a seat in this room and do not disengage with church. If you are broken, please just hear me on this. If you experience brokenness, just do not disengage with church because you are broken. And the other one is this as we talk about this last tension that we've talked about, right? We've talked about this. You need to do good for others. You, right where you're at, need to do good for others in any way that that looks like. We're gonna provide opportunities here. Part of our strategy at DHC is this, and it's key for you to understand this we do not do our own events. The reason is, is because we never want to appear to our community as a place that is walled off from them. A lot of churches just build a building and they go, they'll come to us at Field of Dreams mindset. If you build it, they will come. Work for Kevin Costner. Doesn't work for a lot of local churches. (laughs) That's why we go to them. And we go into the community to do good so that people can see that God is good. But I want to take it to a step further because the practical is do good for others. Do it locally, do it right where you're at because people have forgotten how to be missionaries in their own cities. Yes, God is good and yes, you should do good. This is true. That is real. And Do you want to know what people told us when we asked them about why they didn't engage with church? They said the local church only talks about this. The local church will only address this. They're afraid of this. They don't wanna talk about it, but this is reality. And I can't do all this. I understand it's true, but I have questions. I doubt, I'm broken. I can't measure up to that ideal. My family will never look like that. How can I engage? So what we've said is as much as that is true, we at downtown harbor church are going to embrace the tension of reality as well that you should do good that god uses broken people that you can enjoy living in the world that people matter more than beliefs that doubt leads to stronger faith the bible does not teach you everything you need to know about life It will take you forever to figure out what it means to follow after God. And God is a mystery. And gang, when we embrace this, we embrace the realities that people face on a day-to-day life and don't turn a blind eye to it. That's what's real. That's tension. And that's the conversations that we're gonna continue to have as people continue to grow in their faith here at Downton Harbor Church. And I would encourage you in every conversation that you have, because you're gonna have them. in every coffee or lunch that you have, because you're gonna have them, you're gonna talk. Embrace what's real and understand what's true. There's tension, embrace that too. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for who you are and just what you do in our lives. And God, I'm thankful for the last five weeks that we've been able to spend together, that we've been able to embrace tension. We've been able to talk about reality Knowing, yes, God, these things are true, and we believe them. We're the first people to confess, God, we believe that these things are you and true, but there's reality.